Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. The views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. afternoon and excuse me it's the evening time i'm sorry getting my days mixed up as i'm on air different times of the day but good evening to you on this july 19 2015 you are tuned in to political prisoner radio my name is scotty reed of course one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this program that comes to you every sunday night at nine o'clock p.m eastern time of course i'm joined on the line by the other co-host and co-producer, Sister Mijo. Uh, greetings to you tonight, sis. Greetings, Brother Scotty. So, um, we got a guest coming on tonight. Uh, he's been on the program before. We'll be speaking to Brother Mari Salakan of the Peace and Justice Foundation. He is, of course, a, a metropolitan Washington, D.C.-based human rights advocate. He's also an author, a lecturer, and a poet. And he is going to come on and update us on the cases of Dr. Afia Siddiqui and Imam Jamil Alamin, who is formerly known as H. Rap Brown of the Black Panther Party in SNCC. So we're looking forward to speaking to him in, in just a few minutes here. Um, Anything that you got off the top of your head to, uh, before we get into tonight's program, Sister Meejum? Um, I just wanted to, uh, I guess, c- congratulate uh, everyone that went to uh, South Carolina yesterday to uh, run the Klan out of town. And um, I think that, you know, we should keep our eyes open on those um, who were arrested yesterday because they are, you know, in fact. Uh, political prisoners. I don't have the names of those individuals. But of course, we know that, uh, the, the state paid, uh, the, 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 the pigs to, uh, you know, uh, protect, um, the, the, the racist scum. So looking back through footage and looking at, uh, hearing that the five, that five people got arrested clearly, you know, um, out of the five, the majority would be our people. Yes, I don't, that's the only information I have as well is that five individuals got arrested. I ain't seen any names. I didn't see any, any pictures. And so I, I don't know who it was that got arrested, whether they were uh, uh, counter-racist protesters and demonstrators or whether they were uh, racist terrorist suspects. 
um, that, right. that got arrested. So, yeah, that is something you're right that we should keep an eye on in case anybody needs help raising funds or whatnot. But, yeah, you you are correct. They would be considered political prisoners. But, you know, interestingly, you bring up, you know, the fact that the uh, state paid for the police to be out there to protect um, these these terrorists. But, you know, one of the things I've been pointing out to people, this is a terrorist organization. But they want to act like it's not. And not only, you know, is this a terrorist organization, but yesterday what they engaged in was state sanctioned terror. Right. Right. That's Absolutely. the way I look at it, because they got a permit. They were permitted to go out there and engage in terrorist recruiting activities. So people need need to uh, wake up. You know, this country has been calling itself fighting a war on terror, which has cost many, 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 many innocent people their lives but then at the same time right here at, at home in the united states of america you know um these when it, when it comes to these white terrorist organizations they they are treated quite differently their their rights are protected so to speak so yep so what time do we have uh uh the brother joining us um he's should be calling in. Let me um, go on the other line to see if I can reach him. Okay. Uh, why why you do that? Uh, let me just give some background information on on uh, Sister Afia Siddiqui, and um, of course we have talked about her before on this case. Uh, for those who have never heard of her, here's uh, some background on the case. Dr. Afia Siddiqui is a Pakistani mother of three a scholar, Ph.D. doctor of cognitive neuroscience. Uh, she majored in learning and, and imitation, which improves the efficiency of learning in children. She's an educationist with a dream to revolutionize the educational system in Pakistan. Um, some circumstances surrounding her case in March of 2003, Dr. Fia and her three children, a excuse me, Ahmad, and uh, who's six years old and an American citizen, uh, Miriam, uh, who's a girl, four year, she was four years old at the time, also an American citizen, and Suleiman, a six-month-old uh, child. Those were her three children. They were all kidnapped by unknown authorities in Karachi, Pakistan. Then on March 31st, 2003, it was reported by the Pakistani media that Dr. Fia had been arrested and turned over to representatives of the United States. Then in early April 2003, it was confirmed on NBC Nightly News, among other media outlets. Uh, there was communication to the mother of Dr. Fia from purported agencies that the family members should be quiet if they want to see Afia return to lie. By the year 2008, many believed that after five years of being disappeared, Dr. Fear and her three children were most likely dead, as was with thousands of, of people that were sold and victims of rendition operations by a dictator ruling Pakistan. Uh, let me see. Now, what she was charged with was, uh, I believe she was charged with attempted murder uh, that she, you know, um, from what I was reading, tried to take a gun from one of her captors and, and you know, shot it, shot at some people. But anyway, um, that's what she was convicted on. 
and um, so you know she is a political prisoner and re remains behind bars, a victim of the so-called war on terror. Why they letting terrorists run free here in the United States to terrorize black and non-white people? Uh, let's see. It, it was in 2010 that she was tried and convicted in a U.S. federal court on charges of attempted murder and assaulting U.S. servicemen in Ghazani. Afghanistan. The official charges against Dr. Fia were that she assaulted U.S. soldiers in Ghazani, Afghanistan with one of the servicemen's own rifles while she was in their custody waiting to be interrogated by, by them. Now, there were um, other people who were being held at background just like um, she was, and they said that they could hear you know, this woman who they identified as screaming, you know, because they, they were torturing her. And again, we're talking about the U.S. government here, which has uh, sought to cover up the crimes of the CIA and the uh, Department of Defense and the torture uh, that they have been engaged in in this so-called war on terror. I think it was just last week we were talking about the um, I think it's the American Association of Psychologists or something had came out yeah. came out with a report that you know some of the licensed psychologists and members of their association uh helped the Department of Defense to you know come up with these torture programs and and even signed off on it when people within the Department of Defense um licensed psychologists were against this program so um yeah uh did you hear hear from uh brother? No, uh, no, I'm going to call it one more time. Okay, okay. All right. Um, now, we were also hoping to uh, hear from him about uh, any updates concerning Imam Jamil Alamine, uh, formerly known as H-Rap Brown. Y'all might hear plenty of times I will play clips of H-Rap Brown along with others uh, speaking about black liberation, speaking about racism and white supremacy, speaking about the uh, abuses of the U.S. government as as we share those clips in what we call message music. Uh, but he did convert to Islam and uh, became an imam and uh, he changed his name to Imam Jamil Alamin. And uh, the last time that we really focused on this case was when he was being denied medical attention for abscess um, abscess tooth or something like that. And they made him sit in the cell for like you know, months without giving him any kind of treatment whatsoever. And, um, you know, people got really concerned because, you know, when you have a poison, that's what the abscess is, you know, that can kill someone. That can kill someone. I do believe we have them uh, calling in. Brother Salakan, do we have you on the line? Yes, you have Brother Salakan on the line. All right. Thank you for joining us, sir. Yeah, I was just talking a little bit about... Uh, our brother Imam Jamil Alamim and was just updating the uh, listeners on, on his case. But um, before we talk about him, let's talk about Dr. Afia uh, Siddiqui. If you would like to introduce yourself to our audience, we got a, a lot of new listeners coming in every month. And so they may not have heard you the last time you was on, Brother Mari. And so if you could just tell them a little bit about yourself and the work that you do. Okay, before I get into a little bit about myself, let me uh, start off with an apology. I uh, 
was in an accident a short time ago in Baltimore, in the city of Baltimore. And um, that kind of threw everything off, and I just forgot that I was supposed to call at 9 o'clock just lost back of the time. That's okay, bro. So anyway, I'm, I'm glad to be with you. And, um, I'm glad that you're okay. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm okay. Um, and the person in the other vehicle is okay as well. But um, the... Uh, I am the I serve as director of operations for a Muslim-led human rights organization known as the Peace Through Justice Foundation. Uh, we're based in metropolitan Washington D.C. on the Maryland side of the Beltway, and uh, our work, um, while we are just one office and uh, a small operation, uh, our work is national. And um, we at times even address international issues and we're uh, pretty well known and, and, and respected in the human rights community and beyond. Um, Dr. Afia Sadiqi, I've been doing human rights work in America for just over 25 years and uh, we've dealt with all kinds of cases and issues. In fact, when I first started out, when I first started out, uh, doing human rights work in America, I was working for one of the um, county governments in the Washington area, and um, my human rights practice, as I called it, was something that I did on the side um, for for the first few years. And we dealt with all kinds of cases, most of them police-related, um, as well as political imprisonment issues we were involved in. Um, and then after... Uh, the Clinton administration passed the Omnibus Anti-Terrorism and Effective Death Penalty Act in 1996, um, which opened the door to the government being able to use secret evidence, quote-unquote, or classified evidence in immigration and deportation proceedings. We saw a dramatic shift in our caseload from being primarily non-Muslim and police-related uh, to uh, becoming as it is today, um, especially after 9-11, uh, primarily Muslim. One of the cases um, that has been on our docket for uh, the last um, almost seven years uh, is the case of a Muslim woman by the name of Dr. Abiyah Siddiqui. Uh, she's a Pakistani national who came to the U.S. when she was 18 years old in 1990 had a brilliant, a very accomplished academic career in the U.S. Uh, up until she left in 2002. Twelve solid, exemplary years in the U.S., uh, graduating from MIT and Brandeis with honors with a Ph.D. in cognitive neuroscience. Um, because of her activism, though, um, uh, above and beyond her academic prowess, uh, she became a person of suspicion after the tragedy of 9-11, and that suspicion followed her home like a cloud over her head. In um, March of 2003, she got into a taxi cab in Karachi, uh, was en route to the airport to visit a maternal uncle in Islamabad with her three children in tow and never made it. The taxi was stopped. She and her children were forcibly removed, and then they were made to disappear for the next few years. Um, in 2008, this happened in March of 2003. In 2008, she mysteriously shows up in a weakened and disheveled state in Afghanistan. 
uh, was basically set up to be killed, uh, ended up being shot by an American soldier, was brought back to the U.S. half dead, um, and 18 months later was put on trial in a federal courthouse in New York City. And despite the fact that uh, the claim that was made against her, the claim that was used to justify her being shot, that an, uh, um, an American soldier laid his M4 rifle on the floor, and she came charging through a curtain, picked it up off the floor, took the safety off of it, and fired it, attempting to murder U.S. personnel, attempting to shoot her way out of captivity while she was waiting to be reinterrogated. Um, that was the excuse used to justify it. And um, she, even though she was the only one that ended up being shot by a panicked, a panicked American soldier, and um, all the evidence vis-a-vis uh, -vis the claim that was being made against her, all of the evidence was in her favor. It was ignored. She was found guilty and then given a sentence of 86 years. Right now, she sits on a military base in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, barely clinging to life, as we understand it, and um, uh, under an 86-year sentence. So we have this this very muscular campaign going on for her behalf, uh, trying to get her freed and back home where she belongs. Now, last last month, I made a trip to the UK, and I had a very um, uh, a very eventful um, five days of, of uh, activism in the UK, primarily in London and Manchester. Uh, and uh, I was just impressed by the, the well of support for Avia there in that country. And um, now we are, we just ended the month of Ramadan and we have this. Uh, this campaign still ongoing to uh, generate resources so that we can just continue to take uh, this campaign for Afia to the to the next level. And so, where okay. I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and and you know, um, and and meanwhile, while as I stated, you know, Afia is the while she is. Her case is the one that that uh, takes up the lion's share of mm -hmm. our limited time, energy, and resource because of the the magnitude of the in, of the injury that's been done not just to her and her family, right, but to the Muslim community by extension. Um, while that is the case, we, there there are other cases that we are still involved in. And uh, case in point, you mentioned Imam Jamil, and we are going to be in Philadelphia uh, this this weekend. Uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and uh, to participate in the Riala, the annual Riala that will be taking place, with a special emphasis on the rally for Imam Jamil on Sunday, uh, concluding that three-day period, inshallah, God willing. In terms of um, going back to Dr. Afia, Afia's um, case, what what is the end game here? Um, what what is what are the supporters in the family seeking? Well, right now, I mean, the the most immediate uh, and, and pressing objective that we're seeking is an independent.
independent medical team to be allowed in to examine Afia to determine the exact nature of her injury, both physical and mental. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the most pressing thing. We want an independent medical team to include her sister, who's a physician in Karachi, Pakistan, uh, Dr. Fazia Siddiqui. That's the most immediate, long-term, and hopefully not too long-term because uh, the clock is ticking and we feel like we're in a race against time given this sister's condition. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, our goal is repatriation. We want Afia released under whatever uh, mechanism the U.S. government and Pakistan wants to engage in. We want her freed and back home where she belongs. That's, that's the, the, the ultimate objective. Now, her case seems very similar to a lot of cases I have read, um, read about to where, like a lot of people down there in Guantanamo Bay are victims of people, you know, uh, selling like bounties. You know, they, yeah, they they call people up and say, hey, this guy is so-and-so. He works with this group and that group. And they just come and snatch you up and a person gets paid. Do y'all think that's what happened in her case? Absolutely, brother. That's what happened. We believe that Afia uh, was a premium bounty. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was was basically sold. there were Pakistani agents involved in her rendition, as well as American agents. Uh, we believe, uh, and surely God knows best, we believe that uh, the, the first few days of Afia's uh, rendition and, and uh, illegal captivity, she was in the custody of uh, Pakistan uh, uh, agents, and uh, at some point she was handed over to the Americans. And yes, I, I believe that there was a significant bounty involved in her rendition. Now, I know there was a reporter, um, a human rights reporter, I think her name was Yvonne Ridley. And, uh, That's who, correct. Yeah, who um, is a British citizen and was at Bagram. And, and didn't she speak publicly about hearing a woman uh, screaming at this, this base? Um, whom she, they no, named? No, she, she, she reported on others, on other prisoners. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for example, Binyan Muhammad. Binyan Muhammad, who was a British citizen, um, I believe, of, of Ethiopian um, heritage, mm-hmm. uh, but, a, but a, a British citizen who was held captive at Bagram. She had an opportunity to interview him and to show, and he was shown a picture, a photograph of Afi, and, and he confirmed that this was the woman that we would periodically see. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she was being moved in the prison, that she this was the woman that they would periodically see, but they that they would hear her scream on a regular basis. Um, Yvonne Ridley never had access to Bagram, but she had access, you know, to intelligence um, uh, or, or witness testimony, like the, from Binyan Muhammad, and she also was one of the voices, one of the courageous voices that. Uh, exerted pressure on the authorities. You know, Bagram was, was being controlled at that time by the Americans, just like uh, Guantanamo Bay and, uh, and um, Abu Ghraib in Iraq. Um, and, and so, you know, she, uh, Imran Khan, a prominent uh, uh, figure in Pakistan, and a couple of others, they were putting a lot of pressure on the American authorities 
to, first of all, admit that they were holding a female prisoner mm-hmm. at Bagram, and then um, when they could no longer deny that a female prisoner was being held there, when they could no longer deny that, uh, it put pressure on them that to identify who that prisoner was, and they kept denying that it was obvious. But we now know that it was Anthea who was being held there before now, she was released and basically set up to be shot and killed. So th- basically, this is what's going on here. She's never been convicted on any kind of terrorism charge or even in charges that I've read thus far. She's never been charged with terrorism. All of her charges are related to what allegedly happened during her captivity when she was kidnapped. Absolutely. Is that correct? Five years. So five years after she was kidnapped, five years later, is when they brought charges against her. And the charges were that she attempted to shoot her way out of captivity. She attempted to murder U.S. personnel in Afghanistan in 2008. Right, right. Well, um, so if you can remind us, what's the next uh, action that uh, activists and, and your organization have planned for her? In either September or October, and we believe it's going to be in October. We're leaning more toward October, early October. Mm-hmm. We want to hold another demonstration outside the base where she's being held in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, that is the most major initiative that's going to be taking place. Also in October, later in October, I'm expected to go back to the UK again to speak at a different venue, uh, one of the... One of the um, prominent universities in the UK, in a different city of the UK. Um, and I'm going to be, I believe I'm going to be joined by the uh, former U.S. Attorney General Ramsey Clark. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're hoping that uh, Dr. Fauzi of the DP will be able to join us from Pakistan. Uh, but this is going to be a major event, so I'm going to be there. And then uh, there, there are some students um, at another university in another European capital that also, before I leave um, Europe and fly back to the U.S., they want us to come there and do a presentation as well. So we've got, you know, quite a few things lined up. Um, Two international visits uh, um, back-to-back in October and also hopefully in early October, the demonstration outside of FMC Carswell in mm-hmm. Fort Worth, Texas. What's, what's the best um, places that people can subscribe to? Any websites, blogs, social media accounts? For people that want to follow this case and keep up with it, what would you recommend they do? The the best website, the official website for AFIA is AFIA, A-A-F-I-A, Movement, M-O-V-E-M-E-N-T, AfiaMovement.com. That's the official website. You can go there. Anyone who's interested in getting more information on her case, there's there's a lot of articles. There are um, uh, there are books that you can actually download. A couple of books. Uh, there are videos. I mean, just a wealth of information that some, anyone who's interested in learning more about this case uh, can access. Um, for those who would like to contact me and and my organization represents um, the official American leg of the international free movement. We are the 
leader of the American branch of this international movement. So people who want to contact me directly can do so through the email peace through T-H-R-U justice at AOL.com. Peace through justice at AOL.com. All right, and we are going to, uh, well, we have linked up to that website on uh, blacktalkradionetwork.com, but we're also going to share that website uh, with our followers on Facebook. If you would like to find us on Facebook, that's Political Prisoner Radio. Um, now, um, I do want to, again, um, Brother Jamil Alamin, it's been a while since we heard from him. The last thing that we really talked about on this program was when he was uh, suffering, you know, from uh, dental ailments that caused abscess and, you know, they were denying him care on that terms. And then uh, finally, when they did get him uh, some medical care, found out that he had this rare cancer. So that's pretty much the last thing I have heard about, uh, uh, heard about him. So how how is he doing health wise that you've heard? He's still struggling. I spoke with his wife, Sister Karima, earlier today, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, uh, they're, they're doing more testing on him. As you know, he's no longer at the Supermax in Colorado, which is a, a definite plus. He is now in general population in a federal prison in Pennsylvania. Uh, but he, there, there's still serious concerns about his health and, and also about uh, certain aspects of his his um, conditions of incarceration. My understanding is from uh, um, Sister Grima is, is that he ha- is being forced. Subhanallah, this is this is it sounds insane, but uh, I don't know if it's if it's out of genuine fear of this man and and his influence or just harassment. But she told me that every two hours. During the time that he is out of his cell, he's in general population now, but every two hours, he has to check in. He's locked up. <laughs> he is in prison. He's in prison, but, every two but hours, he has to But check. every two hours, he has to check in with whatever the authority is uh, in the prison. Uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, uh, but it is what it is. So... Now, but there are still some concerns about his health as well. Okay. Um, what about his case? Where where does his case stand now? Is it still in the um, appeals there, it, process? There's still, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's an appeals process that is still underway. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain challenges, institutional challenges, that are still being made. I hope this, uh, I'm walking in an area now where I hope the background noise doesn't, doesn't uh, bother you all, but there are necessary for me to walk through this area um but unfortunately um he uh you know he is he's, he's still having uh, there's, a, there's a challenge i forgot exactly what the nature of this this one challenge is that um uh is is now supposed to be in the court but um anyway the whole process of him trying to get relief at different levels is ongoing. Mm-hmm. It's an ongoing struggle. But the main thing right now we're, we're really concerned about more than anything else, we're concerned about the imam's health. Right. And, um, you know, so, you know, keep them in your prayers and if, if the need arises for us to send out another 
one of those urgent alerts for people to respond. Um, you know, we just hope that if, the, if, if that won't become necessary, but if it does, then, you know, just be ready. Just be ready to respond. What can people do now to show their support? Well, the folks who are within the who are who are within the um, the, the listener the listening audience for this this broadcast who reside in or around Philadelphia or can make it to Philadelphia on Sunday, you know, please please be there for this. Um, uh, for this uh, rally that's going to take place for the Imam at the conclusion of the Riyadh, and I, unfortunately, I don't have the um, I don't have the information right now uh, okay. with me uh, as to exactly where it's going to take place. Mm-hmm. But I can get that uh, to you. Are you are you in our email network, brother? I know. I yeah, I get I, emails I, I from. I, I think okay, I you get, are as well. Yeah, I believe so. I get emails from Peace and Justice. Uh, about okay, yeah. all right. I'm going to be sending something out. Um, if not tonight, then tomorrow. Okay. I'll be sending something out with the specific details on where this rally is going to take place okay. and the time. Okay. But, you know, again, what folks can do is, is try their best to be there. Try to be present for this rally to show their support. Now, you did say he's in a federal prison, right? He's in a federal prison, yes. Yeah, because, you know, again, I want to point point out to people that he shouldn't even be in federal custody whatsoever. He was convicted right. on state charges, right. uh, state of that's Georgia. Right. State case. That's right, brother. You're right. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I just wanted to point people out as to you. You mentioned earlier how odd it was to make him, you know, report in every two hours. He's inside a prison. You know what I'm saying? You and, and then you know um, it is good news that he was moved from Colorado from that supermax. And it's closer to his family, but he he shouldn't even be where he's at. Number one, but number two, he right. shouldn't be in federal custody. And, and again, it is because of I believe his, his name recognition, his past activism, and his work is is to why you know that they're, they're targeting him now. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, well, you I know, agree. it's the same thing with um, Sundiata Alcoli. You know, he's a New Jersey state prisoner, but they also hold him on the federal side. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. I, I wasn't aware of that with uh brother Sunday out of Coley. Um yeah. So uh bro <clears throat> excuse me, brother, do you have uh any final thoughts? Uh, certainly we would like you to impart to our listeners why it's important that they get involved in these uh in the advocacy for political prisoners. But did you have any final thoughts or comments uh information you want to get up get out as we get ready to wrap up your segment? But please, please tell our listeners why this should be important to them. The reason why this should be important to all of us is because we do not live in isolation from each other. We're all connected. Whether we realize it or not, whether we want to be or not, we are all connected. Uh, that old saying, no man is an island. It, it, I mean, this is, this is the reality. What affects you affects me, either directly or indirectly. And especially when it comes to issues of justice, as Dr. King said, um, one of his most oft-repeated quotes, injustice everywhere is a threat to justice anywhere. You know, we, we cannot be silent in the face of injustice. We cannot be, because to, to be silent 
is to basically open the door or, or facilitate the process by which the injustice is going to eventually reach you or someone that you know and love. Um, and so at the end of the day, this is the reason why we must all be conscious and, and to whatever degree we must be active in pushing back. Uh, there's a saying of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, when you see an evil action, change it with your hand. If you cannot do so with your tongue, the jihad of the tongue, if you cannot do so, detest it within your heart. That is the weakest degree of faith. He also said one of the best jihads is to speak truth to a governing authority that is deviated from the right way. And this is something we can do in America, and we must do more of it because as uh, that, that um, well-known and respected in human rights circles, uh, psychiatrist uh, from Martinique uh, stated so eloquently in his book, Wretched of the Earth, France Fanon, each generation must, out of relative obscurity, discover its mission, fulfill it, or betray it. Again, we're all linked. We're all connected. And, uh, and so we must all be concerned, and we must all engage to, at whatever degree we can, uh, to, to whatever extent we can. We must all engage in pushback to make this planet of ours, and especially our corner of the planet, our country, better than what it is. Most because we all have to stay. Most certainly. Brother Mari Salakan of the Peace and Justice Foundation, thank you for joining us again, and I will be uh, looking forward to getting that information about the upcoming rally in Philadelphia so we can put it out through our network as well. But thank you for all the work that you do on, on behalf of the people, brother. Thank you, my brother, and thank you, my sister. Thank you. You have a good Hello. night. You too. All right, so that concludes um, our interview with Brother Mari Salakam. Again, the website is the Peace and Justice Foundation. That is linked up for you in our program um, description. Um, yeah, Brother Jamil Alameen, again, you know, I mostly know him as H-Rap Brown, but don't want to be disrespectful, of course. But that's how most people record. That's how most people recognize him and um he i think besides malcolm x is probably one of the most known intellectual outspoken leaders during that period of, of the 1960s would you agree with that sister Mijo? um i mean i think that you know there are there were a multitude mm -hmm. of uh you know, leaders within various movements, but specifically, you know, um, him being one of the most well-known leaders in SNCC, um, you know, him being SNCC as well as, uh, Kathleen Cleaver, um, being SNCC. Those, those would be the, like, the two most notable from that specific organization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And then, of course, you know. later he would join the, uh, Black Panther Party for, self-defense <clears throat> uh, we do not have any political prisoner uh, birthdays this week uh, if you check out the uh, calendar uh, that we have on our main page of uh, political prisoner radio is a calendar that we share from the uh, anarchists uh, black cross they put together a google calendar that has all of the political prisoners birthdays and of course we embedded that in our uh, page, the NYABC 
uh, yeah, a WordPress site put that together and we've embedded it in our page. We don't have any political prisoner birthdays this week or, or next week. And we usually like to, you know, focus on them. So, um, we don't have any this week. So sis, do we got any announcements, any upcoming events, any other things that, that we wanted to get out? Um, yes, actually, um, I have a statement put out today, um, from Leonard Peltier regarding, um, Save Folk Flat, uh, support for Apache Stronghold. Um, for our listeners that are unaware, recently, um, the United States, um, you know, began engaging in various forms of, uh, land theft from indigenous communities and there was a defense bill um that was passed that would give um a, a mining company, a copper mining company, um a, a piece of uh land, uh sacred territory, um oak flats um to a company. And um people have been fighting, people have been um on on the land and um there have been a, there's a, a schedule and we can upload that um to our page um there's a, a caravan of uh, activists and organizers that are currently traveling uh the country and they're supposed to be in um i think people have been in new york they've been in uh, pennsylvania and people um, are coming down to um, D.C. over um, the next couple of days. And um, this is uh, Leonard's solidarity statement. Um, says, greetings, uh, friends and relatives. Most history classes will teach that United States policy of Indian termination was officially abandoned in the late 1960s. Native people know all too well that many of the policies and goals of termination uh, persist to this day. The belief that indigenous people should abandon our traditional lives and culture, surrender even more of our ancestral homeland, and become civilized, in quotes, uh, assimilated people are enacted through the continued uh, desecration of our sacred sites. The use of our image as mascots and the environmental racism that has uh, devastating effects on native lives. One of few things I'm able to do in this prison is follow the news from outside. It is great to see the Apache Stronghold Caravan to stop the desecration of Oak Platte and supporters organized and successful at getting the attention of American media and the U.S. government. Your spirit and strength helps lift my own spirit and gives me hope. The Apache people should know they are not alone in the struggle for survival, and the organization that works on my behalf offers you our support and solidarity. Native people see all around us the continued uh, disregard of our sovereignty and our human rights and treaty rights. At Oak Flat, the desecration of the sacred San Francisco Peak for sport and the continued occupation of the Black Hills and the taking and poisoning of Mother Earth by extractive mining for uranium, coal, and other minerals and the practices of fracking and drilling from oil and natural gases all of which leaves long legacies of poisoned water and air that sickens and kills our people. If all nations will begin to respect and follow the principles and guidelines defined in the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, the tide would be turned from the direction of termination of tribes, source of survival and flourishing, 
of our relatives, our language, our spirituality, and also towards the healing of Mother Earth. Mataki often in the spirit of Crazy Horse Leonard Pelpierre. And for those who don't know, can you tell them why it is Leonard's, uh, um, Leonard Peltier is a political prisoner? Briefly. Um, well, you know, for our listeners that are unaware, um, Leonard was a, a key member, um, of the American Indian movement. And during a specific time frame of a reign of terror at Pine Ridge, where the government um, was uh, murdering people and elders and traditional people were uh, afraid of what was considered the gun squad. Um, even to this day, um, there are people that um, are missing and believed to be murdered that the U.S. government um, has not investigated, um, you know, their deaths for um, missing people. Um, so Leonard, as well as other um, youth in the American Indian Movement were asked to come provide protection to uh, people um, in the community. And in the midst of providing protection to people in the community, um, they were attacked by um, FBI agents. And uh, Leonard was framed for the murder of two FBI agents at the Jumping Bull Ranch. Um, and people can go and look up um uh, Leonard's uh, international defense uh, campaign page. Um, you know, there's plenty of information that, that you could see to show um, that Leonard was framed. There's a film that you can watch. It's called the Incident at Ogallala. Um, so, you know, a, a lot of people have also been um, talking recently um, about um, Obama giving uh, clemency and or uh, releasing 46 federal prisoners associated to nonviolent drug crimes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Leonard supporters and committee have, you know, for many, many years um, been pushing the Obama administration to offer, uh, you know, Leonard clemency. So, um, so if the listeners want to get involved in certain aspects and, and pushing for, you know, his freedom, um, they could, you know, push for um, clemency. Most definitely we need to be pushing for uh, the release of all our political prisoners and, and, and prisoners of war. And like I've often heard uh, some of the longtime activists and advocates themselves say, you know, the United States needs to have a truth and reconciliation. Um, commission similar to what happened in South Africa because I mean many 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 victims are languishing behind bars right now being tortured they shouldn't even be there and and the United States just needs to come clean on its crimes that it has committed and continues to commit although I know that's wishful thinking on my part but at at the same time though as a propagandist it is my duty to point out this hypocrisy of this government and who likes to point his fingers at every other country in the world when nobody's abusing people like the United States that, that I know of. So, um, yeah. Um, there was an interesting article that came out on political prisoners in relation to the Omaha two case. Uh, for those who don't never heard of the Omaha two, uh, they were, uh, Ed Poindexter and Mondo Wee Langa, 
formerly known as David Rice, of course, and they were leaders of a Black Panther affiliate chapter of the National Committee to Combat Fascism um, in the 1970s when they were set up and, and framed for killing a Omaha police officer in Nebraska by a booby trap. And uh, I, I, there was an article about Charles Brennan who supervised uh, the COINTELPRO operations against the uh, Omaha 2. Uh, let me just read briefly from this article by Michael Richardson, uh, who is a Cohen Pro uh, uh, writer who writes a lot for the Examiner on COINTELPRO issues. I, I think he is one of the most prolific writers when it comes to the Omaha 2 case. But um, it says that Charles Brennan supervised COINTELPRO operations as assistant director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Brennan was a protege of William Sul Sullivan. The architect of COINTELPRO under FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover. COINTELPRO was a massive clandestine counterintelligence program targeted against political activists with its most lethal secret operations directed against the Black Panther Party. The Omaha 2, Ed Poindexter, and Mondo Wilanga were leaders of the Black Panther affiliate. Uh, chapter, the National Committee to Combat Fascism, when an Omaha police officer was killed by a booby trap bomb. Hoover wanted the two men convicted for the murder, and a plan was hatched the day of the bombing, August 17, 1970, to withhold a FBI laboratory report on the identity of the anonymous 911 caller that lured patrolman Larry Menard Sr. to his death. A dictabelt copy of the 911 recording was sent to J. Edgar Hoover to forward to the FBI laboratory by Omaha special agent in charge, Paul Young. However, a formal laboratory report was not requested. A memorandum prepared by the administrative division that supervised the FBI laboratory outlined the crime and scheme to withhold a lab report. 15-year-old Dwayne Peak who confessed to planting the bomb, claimed he made the phone call, call upon instructions from Ed Poindexter. The reason the FBI wanted no report issue was that the 911 caller had a deep, gravelly voice while Peak had a soft, higher-pitched voice. Peak's credibility was at issue, and according to an October 1970 memorandum to Hoover from the Omaha field office, the tape would be prejudicial to the prosecution of Poindexter and Mondo. So in other words, it would destroy the case because Dwayne Pete was not the caller. And I've watched some uh, documentaries on YouTube about this case. And, you know, this teenage black boy, you know, when he first testified, he was saying that they didn't have anything to do with it. You know, he wasn't going along with the prosecution's lies. But then there was a recess and they brought him back and they done beat the crap out the boy. And, and, and he had a black eye and everything. And now all of a sudden he's telling them exactly what they wanted him to say. So um, you can read the rest of this article. It is posted on our Political Prisoner Facebook page. It is the title of that article is... Um, uh, excuse me. The title of the article is Charles Brennan Supervised COINTELPRO 
against the Omaha too. So you'll be able to find that article. Uh, there is an event coming up here soon. First of all, I should have said this. Happy birthday to Sister Asada Shakur. She just celebrated a birthday last week. And um, I know we're not supposed to talk about women's age and whatnot, but she she is in her 60s, isn't that correct, sis? Uh, yeah, I think she turned uh, 67. Yeah, 67, somewhere around there. So happy birthday mm-hmm. to her. I've been thinking about her since Cuba and the United States, again, are supposed to open up their embassies tomorrow and going towards uh, normalizing relations. And so um, from what little bit I do know when, you know, this process first started that uh, Masada Shakur was, was, although the United States government, of course, keeps requesting that she be extradited to the United States, Cuba has not cooperated. So you got any thoughts about um, the normalization, the continued process of normalizing relations with between the United States and Cuba? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, that is a huge concern amongst many, many activists and not knowing what that means for not only, you know, her safety, but as well as the safety of other, um, you know, activists and organizers that have lived safely as Cuban citizens on the island for nearly 40 years, you know, um, even though she's the one that is most mentioned and on um, the FBI terrorist watch list, um, you know, there's also uh, Sister Mahinda as well as Guillermo Morales. And, you know, Guillermo's um, name has actually come up. Um, Hello, you still there? Sister Amija, I'm showing you on the phone, but all of a sudden we just lost your audio. Can you hear me? Yes, we hear you now. Please continue. Okay. You were saying something so, about Claudio or? Uh, Guillermo Morales. Okay, yeah, um, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so um, Asada and, and um, Guillermo, um, you know, his is the uh, only other name other than her that have actually come up. Um but there are other, a lot of other people that are there as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge concern, um, you know, within the community, uh, what that means. Um, it's a huge concern for those of us that have been long time, you know, supporters, you know, of the revolution that have been on the island that have seen, you know, the wonderful examples of you know, uh, and the fruit of the Cuban Revolution and the fact that, you know, um, even though the U.S. have tried to use the blockade and travel restrictions, you know, to squeeze, um, you know, to, to, to squeeze out um, and stomp out the revolution, I think that, you know, um, those policies and practices made um, the the people um, on the island um, stronger and more determined um, to to fight and maintain um, for for the socialist republic. So, you know, there are a lot of a lot of lot of unanswered questions um, as to what this really you know means and and what it entails. And you know, is this 
a new systemic ways and policies to 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 destroy um the revolution mhm i think i know what happened um i don't know we got zapped or something same time your power went out we lost our uh live stream so i'm still trying to do that of course we still connected to the conference line and of course we're still uh recording so i'm just trying to resolve that right now so, so yeah. yeah it's always something let me see uh yeah we are back sorry about that listeners uh they got disconnected but y'all know we always uh, fighting them people out there that don't want us on air talking about certain things. All right, so um, sis, did you have any final thoughts as we get ready to wrap up uh the program? As we do have another program following us, the Lotus Place Place, excuse me, the Lotus Place Radio Show will be coming up here um in just a few minutes. They will be talking about foster care fraud and selling African children in the twenty first century. So sis, did you have any final thoughts? Um, I just wanted to invite the listeners if they're um interested and available um to come to D C on a Wednesday. Um, after a cross-country journey, the Apache Stronghold Caravan will be joined by members of Congress and supporters for a rally in Washington, D.C. this Wednesday, July 22nd. The more of us who join, the better our chances are of getting national press on the scene. Uh, Oak Flat Rally with the San Carlos Apache uh, will be at the West Lawn of the U.S. Capitol Wednesday, July 22nd at 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Okay. Um, I don't have any final thoughts except to let you know I will be on air tomorrow with an episode of Black Talk Radio News at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Make sure that y'all join me for that tomorrow, which will be followed by the Tando uh, radio show at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. And so uh, with that, well, again, we do want to uh, thank... Um, Oh, excuse me, I'm just not feeling <laughs> feeling too good today, but we want to thank uh, Brother Salakon, Mari, I was trying to think of his name, Brother Mari Salakon, for joining us tonight to uh, give us an update on the case of Dr. Afia Siddiqui, as well as to update us on what's happening with Brother Jamil Alameen. Uh, as soon as I get that information from him, we'll make sure we'll post it to our Political Prisoner Facebook page and uh, share it with our other networks as well. Uh, recognize the fact that you live behind enemy lines, that it's a battlefield out there. Develop battlefield awareness. That way you can decrease the likelihood that you will become a casualty behind these enemy lines. Um, we don't want that to happen, but you need to recognize the reality of where you live, of what's actually going on and not what you think is going on that's why we do this program to let you know that they are u.s held political prisoners and prisoners of war that you may not even know about but now that you know um now you must act on that knowledge and and do whatever you can find out where you fit in you know in the movement to free our political prisoners and prisoners of war peace and blessings to all be safe out there good night
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.